Welcome, welcome. This is another episode of Take Fountain. Um, I'm here with uh, Tom Mount, as always. Today's uh, particularly special for me. I know I say that every time, but it's particularly special for me because I'm, I've, I've booked, it was very difficult, I booked a very close friend of mine who also happens to be a powerhouse, for, or it was a powerhouse for many years in the world of television, Phyllis McGrady. If you don't know who Phyllis McGrady is, let me tell you. She was executive producer of Good Morning America for a while. She was an executive producer of the Barbara Walters specials for a while. She was a vice president, I think it was, at ABC News for a while. She did put, uh, what were those shows, like Turning Point and uh, what was it, Prime, Prime, Prime Time Live on the air. Lots and lots of things. She is, what? What? What would you do with John Kenyatta? There you go. That's what she was, a, a huge show. And still, They're still doing some of those, aren't they? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, are. yes, the short answer is yes. Anyway, thank you, Phyllis, for, for being with us. Uh, we're here today specifically, even though you've had this big career, we're here today specifically talk about the Barbara Walters specials because that's the thing that people bug me about all the time, and I don't, I don't want to just sit here alone and talk about them. Uh, you know, because Tom says, Tom says, oh, let's do, well, I'll just ask you about the Barbara Walters specials. I said, well, can we get... The reason I'm the reason I was the executive producer of the Barbara Walters special. By the way, I stopped talking eventually, Phyllis. The reason I was the executive producer of the Barbara Walters specials uh, is because Phyllis set me up for that. Mm. That's how I got the job. I will tell all of that in great detail, which is it's a really actually, if I do say so myself, a pretty interesting story. Um, but let's start before that. Let's start with how is it that you became in and by the way you're coming to us from lovely florida i should set the set this all up properly uh, how is it that you be, got to know barbara and ultimately ended up running her shows well i originally originally got to know her from you know i was a writer producer then a senior producer and field producer and then executive producer of good morning america at different times and I originally got to know her just because I would pre-interview her when as a writer producer, she was gonna be on the show to promote something. So we sort of just very, very casually knew each other. And then um, I started, I, I moved to Toronto for a boyfriend. So, and because of that, I started doing field producing for all kinds of different shows. And I field produced a lot of pieces for 2020 and, um, we were lucky enough to win an Emmy for one of them. And these were with different people, not with Barbara Walters whatsoever. So right. I didn't work with her at all. And then the 1980 Democratic Convention was coming about. And I got a call from Av Weston, who at that time was the executive producer of 2020. And they were putting together uh, programming around the convention uh, in which they were going to be doing political, interesting political pieces. And he asked me if I would produce pieces for Barbara Walters. Now, later I felt, why wouldn't they ask a 2020 producer? Sure. But probably because she had like gotten pissed off at everybody. Who knows why they asked this freelancer? So I flew down uh, to have a meeting. I was outside of Barbara's office as Off Weston goes into the office. And I hear Barbara say, what in the world and who in the world is Phyllis McGrady? And, you know, you're sort of like sitting out there like, I'm yeah. Phyllis McGrady. So I walk in and I say, you know, Barbara, we have sort of known each other. And um, we did stuff on Good Morning America. And she was like, whatever. But anyway, she and I then did produce three pieces for the Democratic Convention. They were well received. 
And she asked me at that time, would I think about doing the specials? But I had just, I was with the boyfriend, all the reasons one should never make decisions. And we had just moved to Toronto and I didn't feel at that time that I could take the job. I then left the boyfriend, became executive producer of Good Morning America. And she and I were together. I'd been on Good Morning America. And of course, that's where I got to know you, Bill. Right. And we were doing many, many things. Yes. And Barbara and I were on our way to, I was going with her. I was. Um, she was going to be appearing for us, probably to promote a special or something, on Good Morning America. And she and I were sitting next to each other. It was probably 6 o'clock in the morning. And she said, you know, I'm going to ask you again. And after all those years of 3.30 in the morning, alarm clocks i really said yes yes i said no no hesitation no nothing yes and so that was that summer i had to continue until september in order to finish a bunch of projects uh with good morning america some projects we had and then i had to deliver my first special that December. do you remember so what was what was that first special i've forgotten what do you remember what it well, was the first, special, the first special was you know we were sort of thinking let's do one music one tv and one film. So the first special, the, who it was supposed to be, and it turned out to be somebody else, I'll tell you the story. It was supposed to be Lionel Richie, who at that time had just, you know, he was big, huge, you know, all night long yeah. and dancing on the ceiling. Yes. And he had just, we are the world. And, you know, it was a huge thing. So we did him and we did Betty White, who of course was huge at that time with um, the Golden Girls. And the third person was supposed to be Michael Douglas. And in fact, we did shoot with michael douglas we shot him at his home we shot him playing tennis with john winter we shot him on the set for two days on fatal attraction on the set and we and this was you know prior to that movie coming out but he was supposed to be the guest and while we were in los angeles doing betty white barbara gets a call directly from richard pryor and richard pryor she had done you know previously and she had done richard pryor after his heart horrible accident which he said was an accident which was obviously him freebasing and he said i really want to talk to you um there are things i wanted to say to you four years ago when we did that interview where he kind of lied or did lie yeah and i want and i'm assuming he was an aa at that point he'd been sober for three or four years so i think this was probably a process of something that AA or whatever, but anyway, so we were gonna, I went over to do it. I was just gonna do it as a favor for 2020. I didn't even have a full specials you know, crew or lighting. We just sort of went over there. I had two man crew and we were just gonna shoot it for 2020. And it was one of those interviews that was incredibly raw, incredibly right out, you know, as only Richard Pryor could be. Right. Um, and so, you know, we finish it and Barbara says, this is going to be the third part of the first special and of course who gets to call michael douglas to tell him this but me but fortunately for michael it actually worked out better for him yeah but he's one be of the good guys i mean if you had to do this with someone yeah you are absolutely right he's if one of the guys to, right yeah. he's one of the guys and i was able to sort of say and he actually agreed with this i mean the closer he did this interview to when the film was coming out the better so he did our next special but anyway so that special was a little different it wasn't exactly what it was going to be, but it was a very raw interview. So, Phyllis, so you some are, of the specials weren't exactly what you thought they were going to be yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, You are incredibly articulate about all this, and it is fascinating to hear 
as an outsider, I also love the uh, uh, relationship advice you've given the nation this morning, which is always fire the boyfriend. <laughs> oh, right. No, you're right. <laughs> She'd made other then, other moves based on the boyfriend too, by the way, which we will get to in a moment. All right. Oh God. You know, God. you know, Tom has worked with Richard and was largely responsible for at least the beginnings of his movie career. So you knew him mm-hmm. during this time, probably at the I, time when he was doing this interview. Not only did I know him, we talked about whether it was advisable to do or not. What was your advice? Did you th- think no? I said get in touch with them. Yeah. But I didn't say call her directly. I didn't, you know, I just assumed he'd have some agent do something, you know, whatever. But it was a real kind of a makeup interview, wasn't it? It was like a mea culpa kind of thing, right? Wasn't it? It was a mea culpa. It was definitely yeah. one of the yeah. interviews. I it mean, you know, I remember interview. one part of the interview when he says, all my career, I, I always thought it was running away from someone. I almost thought they were going to catch me and figure out that I really was a fraud. And then he said, and then I realized I was running away from me. Right. It was me I was yeah. running away from. So, I mean, yeah. it was a very, you're right. I mean, yeah. it was like a very, it was like being at a shrink's office, truthfully. Uh, it was a combination of AA and a shrink and Jennifer Pryor, his both fourth and seventh wife, was coming back into his life, and that stabilized mm-hmm. him a lot. And yeah. life was, things were getting better in Richard's life. I'm going to go back a little further because the Barbara mm-hmm. Walters specials, for those of you who, who love them, that you have the, you have before you here the two last executive producers of the Barbara Walters specials. Between us, we have 30 years of Barbara Walters specials. The, but we did not start the show. Phyllis... Tell me, because you probably you were closer to it than I was. How did the specials come about in the first place? Well, I mean, they came about in the incredible negotiation of, in Hutzpa of ABC approaching Barbara Walters, who at that time obviously was hugely successful in the Today Show, and they had no, you know, they basically were a network that was well at that point they i think had the courage to do this because things were beginning to turn around for abc fred silverman had really come in and all of a sudden they were winning in prime time they had happy days and they had many other shows that were you know winning and i think that they wanted their entire and i think you know david was talking about this in an interview you did recently with david about Uh Yeah, David Hartman about how they really wanted a full network, a full service network. So right, that right. meant they had to have a morning show. And that also meant that they had to have a newscast uh, that was winning. And they had a newscast that was like distant third and basically just kind of also, and also, yes, there's ABC. Right. So their idea was to approach Barbara to co-host with Harry Reasoner. And they had to make her an offer she couldn't refuse because Barbara, as you know, Bill, does not like, she's not the most courageous person and doesn't like to take gambles, even though she obviously has. She's very careful, very careful. Uh, She's very, very careful. She goes over it again and again and again. She asks everyone what they think. If you're sweeping the floor outside her office, she'll pull you in and say, what do you think about this? I'm about to uh, to move to ABC for a million dollars or something. And what do you think? She does it with everyone. Yes. So they basically offered her $1 million, which at the time was outrageous in some level, but not really outrageous. It was, I think she was making $700,000 at the Today Show and was about to be making $800,000 at the Today Show. So it wasn't like some insane thing. But in order for them to do that, they came up with the idea, the concept that they would pay her $500,000 for co-anchoring World News 
and they would pay her $500,000 for four specials, primetime specials a year. And, you know, even though that was outrageous when it got leaked, and of course, I'm sure, I'm sure NBC leaked it. But anyway, it was leaked, and it was very bad press for Barbara. It was all the million-dollar baby, the million-dollar lady. And, you know, in the end, you know, it was 500 and 500,000. And in the end, in the long run, those specials, as we may, you know, as we remember or don't remember, if some people won't, the Harry Reasoner, Barbara Walters combination was a disaster uh, for a combination of many reasons. Um, one, Harry didn't particularly want any co-anchor, whether it was Barbara Walters or anybody. And, it, the, you know, their relationship and their chemistry was non-existent. And those specials, which were kind of an afterthought, let's figure out a way to let make sure she can make, you know, this amount of money, those specials were her salvation. Yeah, they, they, her... they ended up driving the train, didn't they? You know, it's funny it's that what they, for those of you who don't know, a lot of times in order to sweeten a deal, they, they, we want you to, you know, anchor a GMA or, or the news or whatever. We'll, and we'll throw in, and they're almost like vanity things. It's like, right. you know, we'll give you four specials. You'll do a Christmas right. special and a this and a that. And, and nobody ever has any really great expectations. I don't think that they had huge expectations for the Barbara Walters specials. There were, you know, they only successful specials really at that stage had been the Bob Hope specials, I think, probably. Uh, specials were, this was just a way of getting getting her the money. But as you said, she knew that this was her only thing that was, uh, that could, that was the only thing that was working for her and that she had to make it work. Yeah, exactly. I, I will exactly. say, Bill, also, I mean, having lived through the Barbara and Harry Reasoner idea, Harry Reasoner's dry as toast. Yeah, he was. You know, um, he's just dry. He's, and I'm sure he's a nice man, and I wish him well and all of his progeny. However, I, you know, boy. Well, well, you know, here, here's the thing, and it feels. It was never going to work. It was never going to work. <laughs> you know, and also, th th this is it's a, it was a catch twenty two thing. From f f Harry Reasoner looked at her and said, "Well, here's a woman who's never covered a war, never covered a trial, a murder, a fire, and she's sitting next to me." And, and, and her argument would be women weren't allowed to cover any of those things, you know, what I mean? right. <laughs> like how, how, how would she have gotten the experience in the first right. place? You know right. what I mean? So it, it bothered him. It bothered the, I mean, even if you watch the first newscast, which is almost impossible to watch, it's really <laughs> horrifyingly difficult to watch because he can't stand that he's sitting next to her. Yeah. He, she talks, she gets an interview with, I think it's Anwar Sadat. Isn't right. it? Anwar Sadat. Well, remember but it was someone i think I it was sadat and sadat goes how is the million dollar woman or whatever it is he says and <laughs> it's like you can just feel that room how uncomfortable that that table must have been at that time mm. um uh, anyway so it, it, we get to uh, we get to um your tenure there and i i gotta mm -hmm. ask you this this story because i know i know a little bit about it but mm -hmm. there is a particularly phyllis used to call me all the time. She'd say, uh, what do you think about uh, Patrick Swayze? I, he's a big star. And I'd be like, you mean the guy in the dancing movie? I don't really know. <laughs> says, no, I think he's going to be a big star. I said, you know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and she would do that kind of stuff with me. Right. And, and, which and, you richly deserve. Which, right? I, yes, I did. I was a great help. I'm sure I was yeah. a great help on all of it. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> that's what you do in the Bar Walters Special, by the way. You turn to everybody and go, you know, uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes? No? Um, and, and, and so, yeah, exactly. But you did an interview that is extremely famous or infamous mm -hmm. with Sean Connery. 
We did. Tell me, did. tell me how that, first of all, it was, it sounded like a great trip. It was, it was one of these like uh, amazing, amazing Barbara Walters oh. special stories, but tell me how that came about and what happened there. Well, he, Sean Connery was, um, co, I mean, he, you know, he was, uh, in the untouchables, which is, you know, with Kevin Costner and he played an incredible character and, um, and immediately got some of the best reviews of his career. And uh, we decided to do Sean Connery just because there's so much to talk to Sean Connery about, not only obviously the Untouchables, but the James Bond and everything. So we went to Marbella, Spain, which is where he owned an incredibly beautiful home uh, and to do the interview because he wasn't gonna be coming back to the States for a while. And we did the interview. We went to Marbella. He was the most amazing host. Uh, when we got there, he was in, the crew, of course, fell madly in love with him because he was great with the crew. He understood, got to get the crew on our side. Right. So he was wonderful with them. He said, I'm inviting everyone to dinner tonight. We're cooking dinner here. And we're going to eat outside in my incredible outside, mm -hmm. looking at the ocean. And so what a great day. So we sit down to do the interview. Now, he had done an interview and he had a great relationship with Barbara. I mean, the two of them, I'm not, not even really sure if they had kind of known each other, but immediately they had a great rapport. And so we sit down to do the interview. In 1965, he had done a Playboy interview in which he had said, you know, something, I, I'll paraphrase it, but something to, you know, sometimes it's okay to hit a woman. So and that interview got a lot of play in 1965. And 1965 was a lot different than 1986 or seven when we did this. So he, Barbara asked him, would you still say that? Would you, you said this incredible thing in an interview in Playboy. And he looked straight at her and he basically said, yeah, I think there are times when a woman really deserves a smack across the face. And Barbara says, I don't like that. And he goes, well, that's the way I think. And you're asking me what I think. And that's what I think. Yeah, let me interrupt you one second here because yeah. I've had to recut. Because if you do the Barbara Walter specials, you every one of these interviews you cut and recut a thousand times. Well, over the course of time, I've had publicists say, "Was that cut to make him look worse?" And I say, "No. In fact, would you like to see it? It's the it's all. It's in fact, if it, if you did anything, you tried to make him look better because he went on and on about yes. it. But but what he says, which which is, he says, you know, women like to go on and on about things they 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 want to have the last word and you give them the last word right. and it's not enough and they continue and that's when it's okay and barbara says to do what is you give them a little hit not with you right. know with the you know with the with the open hand or something i think right. you said with the open hand not with the fist it's an open hand well yeah. i mean you can imagine so anyway, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish your story. <laughs> well, yes, he did go on and on, and it was sort of like, and we were all like, <laughs> isn't it like that? Uh, so, and in in the break, I even went up to them, you know, when we're in the break, and I said, you know, surely you know how that must sound. And he goes, I know exactly how it must sound. That's how I feel. So I didn't feel. It certainly wasn't as if in any way we were making that look worse. In fact, I think we tried to cushion it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um, and of course this special ran and we immediately get calls from his publicist who I, by the way, may I say, was not with us in Marbella, Spain. There wasn't any publicist with us, which I thought, well, that's a little bit, why weren't they there? But, um, but the publicist calls both Barbara and me 
screaming the next morning saying, you have just cost Sean Connery the Academy Award. Mm-hmm. You know, both of us looked at each other thinking, well, maybe we have. Who knows? I mean, the voters right. are swayed all, for all kinds of different reasons. So I remember that year distinctly, that Oscar um, show. I, you know, Barbara, many on the night of her Oscar show and the Oscars, she normally has a dinner party at her house and we watch her special and then we watch the Oscars and we're all there together. And that night when he did, fortunately when, Yes. for uh, supporting in the untouchables supporting actor uh barbara and i both looked at each other and went thank <laughs> god wow. we have not cost him the academy wow. well i don't think anyone on the outside of the television experience has any idea how much impact what you guys do has on the world people think it's just television it's something on in your living room when you walk through or in my case, three of them in my office so that I have some Mm -hmm. clue what the hell's going on in the world, even though I'm hard to decipher these days. So here's what I want to know. Both of you are smart, articulate, risky people. Barbara Walters is a very cautious, careful duck. She's so cautious and careful that my mom was a giant Barbara Walters fan (laughs) because she thought she was, quote, a lady, unquote. And... Yeah. How did you two end up working together? Where does this co- co- coalition of the um, of the uh, delinquents happen? <laughs> well, I can tell you. I can tell you from my point of view. Uh, it, Phyllis and I have something in common, which is that we're 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 not from New York or L.A. Right. You know, we're we're kind of. Uh, if, as much as you can be on television, we're sort of regular people. You know, right. we've had like regular lives and families outside of that show business world, uh, which is, I think, helpful, was helpful with Barbara to a certain degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't you think? But I'm not exactly sure why, but it's something about we weren't, I don't know, we, we just weren't socialized in her world. So consequently, and I think, and I think also when I, when I spoke to her, she, I would always say, you know, I'm from Oklahoma, and I like X, and for some reason that meant something to her. Whereas if I think if I'd said I'm from Manhattan and I like, and she would have been like, yeah, 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 Get, tell me, right. you know, I need, I need, I need, I need to hear what the folks are thinking, yeah. and uh, and I think that that was beneficial, don't you think? Yeah. Absolutely, think it was beneficial. I mean, you know, basically had the same ideas about the same people and the same. She needed to be broadened out a little bit, and certainly, uh, you know, I think she needed. We were younger, and so, you know, when you say Patrick Swayze, why Patrick Swayze? Well, I think you kind of needed the delinquent to say, no, this film was supposed to be nothing. This film was supposed to be opened in theaters and go to video, and it has become a phenomenon. And I think her insular New York City world would not know necessarily why that film had become so huge and now is such a cult film. But So so she she needed the prodding. Right. And she certainly didn't need, I mean, God knows she and I, and I know you and Bill, I mean, we had many, many, I mean, healthy arguments, sometimes unhealthy, but healthy arguments about, no, you're all wrong. We got to do this. And then, sure. you know, I mean, there were times when she really fought her battles and she really won. I mean, she, her gut and her instinct is superb. No right. one had any uh, instinct better than Barbara, but, you know, I think she needed, and she knew that that's why she, it ultimately came to people like us. So, Phyllis, you're from Virginia, is that right? 
I'm from Virginia and from the Blue Ridge Mountains part, like uh, not even. So give me, give me the name of the town. Oh, you will not know it, but maybe you will. Okay. Hillsville, Virginia. Oh boy, I don't know it. And where you is that? You don't know it. It where? is southwest of Roanoke. It's it's like near Blacksburg. It's just a oh, little, yeah. you know, yeah, little I town. Know, I know exactly where that is, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I grew up in North Carolina, so I had some, you know, yeah, Virginia exactly. experiences. That's great. So you guys are both ducking my question. How did you How did you meet? What was the first date? What happened here? How did Bill and I meet? Yeah. We met on Good Morning America. She was my boss. Oh, okay. I didn't. So she was. She was. Uh, she was. I think when I first met met you, uh, you were a supervising producer, senior producer. What would you have been That's at GM? Probably supervising. Or supervising. Senior. Uh, yeah, senior supervising producer, and uh, then, and then she was the uh, executive producer of of Good Morning America, and it was it was actually kind of news when she took the job with Barbara because you don't leave. You don't leave uh, an EP of GMA is really, I mean, that's a huge job, obviously yeah. gigantic. This is a day and night sort of job. Sure. So yeah. to go, to go over to the Barbara Walters specials was considered unusual to say the least, wouldn't you say? It was, and, it was. It now, was but it's not as unusual as leaving it two years later. That is the most unusual thing. So right. why did that happen exactly? Well, um, I mean, I really. I really, I mean, I loved being executive producer of Good Morning America, and I had been basically at Good Morning America off and on since 1976. So let's talk about 10 years of being a writer, producer, field producer, then senior producer, then executive producer. I mean, it's 10 years of no sleep and crazy 24-7 kind of yeah. life. As much as I absolutely loved it, um, I think that I was really attracted by the idea of really, I mean, one of the great things about Good Morning America is, you know, you know a, a little bit about so many things because right. you're really you're doing two hours every morning. Uh, and I really was really kind of looking forward to in my life being able to just really, you know, dive into deep dive into something and really spend time doing it. And I really kind of was interested and intrigued by prime time and doing primetime specials and i've been doing morning tv for a really long time sure so i mean it was a, a controversial uh choice but it was kind of worked and was the right thing for me and in the long run it was absolutely the right thing for me sure. the reason i left is a little bit i think the reason that bill ultimately needed to find and create with barbara the view uh the specials are great they are tremendous amounts of pressure. You've got to come up with four specials a year. That doesn't sound like very much, but booking these people is not that easy. Oh yeah. And and secondly, you're you're also booking people not to just book for booking's sake. You have to say to this person, "This is a long interview. I need to know that you're coming to play." Yes. And right. if you're not coming to play, if this isn't the right time, then we should not do it. Right. So you know, you really you need you're expecting a tremendous amount from them also. So. I had, so what happened was while we were doing the specials, um, Barbara was married to Merv Adelson who ran Lorimar. Yes. And so I was always out, I was out there a lot. We were shooting out there and I was in Bel Air a lot. And at one point Merv said, you know, I think it would be a great idea if Barbara, you know, made for TV movies were really huge at that point. Right. And I think it would be a great idea. And this was Merv's idea to, um, 
to basically do some, you know, have Barbara introduce a made-for-TV movie and then have her interview the real people afterwards. And I said, brilliant. And I said, you know what? I'll come up with eight to ten stories that I think would be great made-for-TV movies that then Barbara can do. And, and Barbara can introduce them. They run, and then she does the interview. So I came up with eight or ten stories, and one of which was Switched at Birth, which uh, later Barbara did do as a right. hour, you know, an hour, which had huge ratings. I'm but sure. anyway, I came up with – and my pitch partner – so we went to ABC. Obviously, we were going to pitch to ABC first because um, she, we worked for ABC. And my pitch partner, who worked at Lorimer and was an executive at that time, was Les Moondance. Right. And so, obviously, I let – I mean, we were pitching to Brandon Stoddard, and we were pitching to mm -hmm. Ted Harbert. They were, like, the two big right. people in entertainment. So we did the pitch, which basically Les Moondance did a pitch. And then every once in a while, I'd say, and tell them a story. And then I'd jack jack the story. And they, on the spot, greenlit it and said, we will absolutely do this. I go back, Les go back we're excited we tell Murph we tell Barbara and then of course the Barbara thing happens Bill Barbara then like starts second guessing it she starts questioning it yeah she's like but I'm nervous about we don't know anything about made for TV. and I said no but that's what Les Moonves and these people do know about and they will hire the people we'll come up with the stories and we know that we can do incredible interviews with the real people because you kind of always want to see the real people after seeing a movie like that Anyway, in the end, Barbara backed out and decided she didn't want to do it. And I think it was at that point, it was like what you were feeling. The specials are great, but I just kind of wanted something more. And I was very excited about this project. And I think it was just then where I'm like, I just don't know if I can just only do these specials for the next however many years. And at that point, I got an offer from NBC for something that then Barbara said, you can't go to NBC until at least you meet with Rune. And that was when I met Rune and obviously moved over in, into development for ABC News. But right. but that's, I mean, I I think if we had done this movie, I would have stayed there a longer time. I just needed another, I just needed another challenge. Uh, you're hitting on something. That, you're absolutely right, by the way. The, the specials are the best job in uh, television. Uh, yes. But uh, it's the same job every yes. time so what happens is there's a, a certain boredom that sets in and you start thinking oh and then and, 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 and part of it is that it's what you said just said people assumed they were easy to book they're impossible to book right. you know I, I i had i had um jennifer aniston on the view of 10 years ago or something and i walked into her dressing room and i said you know i've been trying to get you to be on the Barbara Walters specials since, you know, 1992 or something like whatever the heck it was. Right. And right. she says, I'm not old enough yet. And I said, what are you talking about? She says, I'm, I, it's, uh, it's, I'm not, I haven't, I don't have the wealth of experience. I don't have all the things I want to say, but there'll be a time when, well, obviously there's no time. It never happened. Be, but it <laughs> shows you what people think. It has to be the right movie, the right moment in their life. They have to be married to the right person. They have, it, it became like, it became impossible, and, and and it was very important to stay on top of the the next thing and not go back and interview Bette Midler again, who I love. But you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I love her, and I and I understand why Barbara's comfortable with that because that they have good conversations and everything. But that's not what the nature of the show is. Right. So anyway, so just for the listening audience here. As I understand the story, I may have it wrong. So since I have the two horses that made this all happen, I need to know. 
Is it true that you recommended this maniac to do these specials? <laughs> well, it is absolutely true. And the answer to that is that Barbara said, I really don't like this. I really hate this. But I understand, sort of, uh, you want a new challenge, uh, but you cannot leave until you find the replacement. I cannot go through this again. And I said, without hesitation whatsoever, I said, I have absolutely the right person. I really do. I knew Bill had an incredible range. Yes. I knew Bill knew, I mean, Bill had traveled the world with David Hartman. I knew he knew exactly, you know, how to deal with talent. I mean, you know, not, right. and, and David Hartman is an easy talent, you know, yeah. but on the other you know, compared to many, many people. But I knew that he knew the nuances and all the kinds of things that one has to do in order to, you know, work with people who are on the air. Because the people who are on the air have a tremendous amount of, you know, of their own challenges and tremendous amounts of pressure on them. And you need a producer next to you that can sort of understand that and deal with that and help you with that. And so I basically said his name is Bill Getty. And you are going to absolutely love him. He's going to be better. In fact, I said, he's a better producer than me, Barbara. So please don't <laughs> anyway. So what I don't that. know, I can't remember your specific first meeting with her. I, yeah, uh, it's a, let's talk about that, Bill. I'd like to know what kind <laughs> of dance or performance you put on to convince <laughs> Barbara that you were a better than Phyllis and going well, to make her well, life. Well, she called me up I, when David Hartman left. Good Morning America. I went with him. He said, we're going to do documentaries. And we did some fascinating stuff. It was, it was really good. And I was there for, I think, two years or something. But it's like everything else. You know, it's like it, it, the things we did weren't watched by that many people. It, mm -hmm. was hard to, it was hard to get people interested in them. We did good things that were not seen. You know, which I'm not, you know, everybody who's ever done this, <laughs> you've done movies that oh, weren't seen. please. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, so I, I, it's just not, it's not the greatest thing. And he was at a different, you know, he was at a different phase of his life. You know, he, he was like mm -hmm. moving into the, 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 the back nine somewhere. And right. uh, so, I, so she called up and said, do you want my job? And I said, are you kidding me? Every, everybody wants your job. And you said, well, you have to win it. You have to win her over. You, it's not just yours. You have to go in there and win her over. And you said, if I remember correctly, everybody at 2020 wants the job. The, the, and the, they did. They and did. they did. Everybody right. at 2020 wants the job. They all have relationships with her. She likes many of them. <laughs> I assume she didn't like all of them, but she likes many of them. And mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have to uh, go in and get it. So I go in there and... Uh, and we talk, and she's like, but are you persuasive, and can you do this, and can you do this? And I realized that, that being a, um, the executive producer of the Barbara Walters specials is, is like really a field producer's job. It's, right. not, it's not actually a, it's not like you're not, you're not doing some big show on a soundstage or something like that. It's a, it's a glorified field producer's job. Wouldn't you say to a certain degree? That is to say that it's, yeah, it's multiple cameras, but it's a lot of writing, you know, yes. it's, it's all in the field. It's like, you know, it's you're all in a different in the field in the edit room. It's all field in the field in the edit room. So right. it's like, it's a field producer's job, which is basically right. what I was still what I, I, well, I still see myself as a field producer primarily. Um, and, and so she, we go through this whole thing and you had told me one piece of information, which 
I don't think you remember, but this is this is this this one piece of information changed my career. You said she hates to fire people. She hates it's a huge issue for her. This is why it's going to be hard for you to get the job because she wants to know that she can get rid of you if she doesn't like you and that's a big issue for her. And it's easier at 2020 she just pushed them back into the fold. And I, right. and so about halfway through this meeting, I could see that she was like, I don't know, you know, I, why should I give it to you? I don't know you, blah, blah. You know, she, and she, Barbara has no unspoken thought, by the way, uh, okay. Every, everything she thinks comes right out her mouth. So, Absolutely. which is, which is great in some ways, cause you always know where you stand. Right. Um, yeah. and, and it dawned on me that she was concerned about getting rid of me if it didn't work out. And I had this brainstorm at this moment in the meeting. It never occurred to me before, which is to say to her, you know what? You don't know me. And I understand that, but we're about to do this two hour show. And that's what it was. The two hour show with the 50th Barbara Walters special. I'm going to have to sit with you, get to know you, uh, uh, write all these opens and closes for this two hour show. It's a giant project. I'm going to have to see everything you've ever done with the specials, which was a pretty good catalog even by then. Right. And yeah. I said, uh, I said, here's the deal. Consider me fired at the end of the special. She said, what do you mean? He says, consider me gone that I'm gone. It's all right. And, and I appreciate it. I'll, I'll, it means so much to me to be able to work with you for this two hour special. I'll go on. I'll find another job. It's just that one special. And you could see the relief come over her. They're like, yeah, she did metaphobia about that. Yeah. Yes. This relief came over and says, all right, so you'll be gone. I said, I'll be gone at the end of the special. Uh, and, and it's fine. It'll be great working with you and we'll do this wonderful show together and I'll, I'll be on my way. And about halfway through the special, she, she says to me, what are you working on for the next special? And I said, uh, well, I did. I didn't think I was, she says, you can't just work on one special at a time, Bill. You have to stay on top of things. What are you doing? And I'm like, and that's, and literally that's, that's the last conversation I had about employment with Barbara Walters for 27 years. I love that. Wow. That is hilarious. Uh, but she did say something funny to me. And I, I assume that she must've said it to you. She said, here's the way I work. If I don't feel strongly and you feel strongly, you win. If I feel strongly and you don't feel strongly, I win. But if I feel strongly and you feel strongly, I win. That's what she said to me. She and, said the same thing. Today. <laughs> and I, and I said to her and she, I think, uh, you know, a few years before we left, I brought that up to her and she said, you always win. You know, she says, I, I never got, I said, we both feel strongly about a lot of things and you end up winning, which is true. I, because I, I guess I felt it strong, more strongly, or I pushed harder or something, but, right. uh, but I, not always, by the way, there were times when I did not win. Uh, but, uh, but most of the time I won because, so, because she respected that I had to put it together. And I, that was the amazing thing about Barbara, by the way, she had a great deal of respect for, for producers. She, she realized that, you know, she was not one of those people that's there at midnight looking over your shoulder. That's right. not how she works. Right. She figured you had a job. You, you need to write it. I'll rewrite it. You need to cut it. I'll recut it. But you need to get your, your licks in and do your job. You're a professional, and I will edit from there. And then you like that yeah. about her? He was totally like that. I think that was probably because she had been a producer. And yeah, I yeah. think that she really respected you know, that job as a producer. And he, and she also probably, you know, 
provided for us what probably hadn't been provided for her, which is let me get my first cut. At least let me get my first cut, and then we can talk about it. Uh, and right. I think that you know she did have a lot of respect for that, uh, and she was, I think, Bill, you would say, one of the best producers I've ever worked with. I mean, her gut and her instinct is pretty amazing. What she could really do, Tom, is she could look at a. a, a remember these these interviews went forever. They were hour, Ever. two hours. They were oh, just yeah. stacks of of uh, right. uh, transcripts, and she would just tear through them. <laughs> Like, like a maniac, and and all, and and it, and it was never any resting with her. You know, you'd get on the plane, you were all dead tired, and you'd sit down on that plane for that red eye, you know, or something. And and she'd be like, "Let's do the cut. Let's do the first cut." You'd be like, "Oh no!" <laughs> it was oh, no. totally. I mean, I'd be like, "Can't I have a bloody marriage?" Exactly. Day? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And by the time and by the time we landed in New York City, we had like a, we had basically a paper cut of the interview. Right. Exactly right. Yeah, I love that. So, guys, uh, I don't have much, any television experience to speak of, but I suspect that a network is not very different than a movie studio. Fraught with politics, lots of agendas, lots of competing interests. So, in that environment, how did you guys manage Barbara in that environment? And did she have other people that she listened to or trusted who, were, who became gadflies in your life? Well, I, I mean, I think laughingly, Bill and I could tell you that the cleaning lady might have told her that she didn't like this part of an interview and we better take <laughs> it out. So when you say gadfly, they, you know, it could go, it could range from the head of, you know, William Morris to the cleaning lady and she would be right. second guessing things. Um, but, yeah, I think the politics, I mean, Barbara was Barbara was a consummate politician. She had been in and out of, you know, obviously with NBC and ABC, she always knew the owners. She always knew the, you know, she, she obviously had, at, when I was with her, Lee Stevens, who was her agent as right. sort of her person that she could always turn to. But, you know, the politics um, were are absolutely always there. The interesting part of that is her specials were so successful mm. and ABC, entertainment so wanted them because there were many years where her four specials made the difference about whether they were number one or number two for the year wow. that's how much her specials could deliver that's crazy and, and, yeah i mean really so in some ways uh if barbara you know they were sort of pulled back a little bit if barbara's specials they just wanted her to keep doing the specials right so uh, the only hassle or rub would be when Barbara would say, you know, I can't keep doing these specials. I can't keep doing four a year. I can't keep, and, you know, because they wanted more and more and more, and they didn't care what it took to get them. So but did you find that to be true, Bill? Yeah, not only that, they would, they wanted, um, they wanted us to recut them as many ways as possible. So I ended up doing things like, you know, Barbara's interviews on love, or you right. know, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't. I'm trying to think of all the different things that we well, did. Well, I remember you did one, which I thought was great. The mistakes. We all the mistakes. Thirty mistakes in thirty years, and boy, you had to right. dig deep for that one. By the right. way, the Sean Connery thing was one of those. Right. Uh, and and uh, I'm sure the Jimmy Carter be kind to us. Yeah, exactly. So what? So what happened was over the course of this this time was that when she starts these specials she does the jimmy the special with has jimmy carter 
and uh, Barbara Streisand, our basic is the first special she does in what right. seventy six or something like that, maybe somewhere right in there. And yeah. and and they very quickly learned that nobody cared about Jimmy Carter, and they all wanted to watch Barbara Streisand. So so over the course of time, it just became a celebrity thing, which I think I think irked her. I think that she wanted she wanted to do more substantial things. Mm. So what happened yeah. is, uh, and, uh, and and I wanted to do anything other than three movie stars. I was even doing things like at the end where I was doing like, you'll interview the Ninja Turtles for four minutes or, or Shrek or something. You know, I mean, I'll do anything. Right. Just do so, something to bust it up, to have four, four or five things, anything, just to right. move this along. Because people's right. tastes were different, right? I mean, you, they didn't just sit still for that length of time. I mean, I... I I, I can remember when I was um, a cameraman and I would buff the floors in Oklahoma City. And I would buff those floors and I'd look up and I saw Barbara Walters with Dolly Parton. And I turned off the buffer and I sat there and I realized, I want to watch this interview with Dolly Parton. And I realized, oh my gosh, it's really, really long. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't sit through this. This is like 20 minutes long. So, yeah. so I think that the, things changed over the course of time, which is you know why I developed uh, Tim most fascinating people, and that's another story. But right. but but what I love what I loved, and, and and we're wrapping it up soon, so don't worry. Well, we'll get to it. Is that <laughs> that what I the thing people say? What did you learn from Barbara Walters? And I always say the same thing: do it now. Right. That's what yeah. I got from Barbara Walters: do it now. You walk in and say, maybe we should interview uh, Michelle Obama. Get the White House on the phone. Let's do it now. You know yeah, that's what. Like, do it now. I mean, I'm because that's not my nature. My nature is to think about it. And, you know, you know, I, I'll push it off. You know, she was yeah. on top of it right then and there. Don't you think? Oh, totally. I mean, to the point that there would be times where I'm like, blah, 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 trying to figure out what, okay, what am I going to say when she got Michelle Obama White House people on the phone? I mean, it would just be now. Let's yeah. do it now. Yeah. That's you amazing. Know, it's like, that's amazing. I, I've got to say, Phyllis, it is really an honor today to have somebody on this show who's actually been a successful boss of Bill Getty. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm very successful boss. <laughs> I am. We are all in Rancho Mirage today. We are declaring this Phyllis Day. Phyllis Day. You know, on the uh, because this is a big event. Let me say one thing about one. In addition to appreciating that she gave me my career. And I, I, I really like Phyllis a lot. And here's what I think is funny about Phyllis. And, and uh, she, you may not like this, but Phyllis is not an ambitious person. This right. is what I find weird about you. She's had huge jobs, but I do not think of you as an incredibly, you know, like one of these like tough backbiting, like I've got to get, what happened with her, I think, is what happens, what should happen with every good person is that whenever she said something, you knew that she was speaking about what she thought was best for the show, the right. company, the whatever. Right. And people right. believed that right? because it was true. She wasn't trying to undercut anybody. She wasn't trying to say, look at me. She was just trying to make everything better. And I think that the people, people understood that, and that's why she rose through the ranks so successfully. Well, I thank you for that. I will say that, um, yeah, there were different times when people say, you know, you're this and you're that. And I said, but deep down, I'm really a beach bum, which obviously now I'm in Florida. But, <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that every time I made a move, whether it was interpreted as ambitious 
or cutthroat. I don't think I was ever cutthroat, but ambitious no. or really trying to move here or really trying to, but there were people who, gee, I wish I had that job and no, Phyllis got it. She moved, you know, but I will say that my motivation for every single move that I made uh, was really, I just wanted a new experience. I yeah. wanted thing to do that's different. I mean, I wanted to go from, you know, being a line producer for Good Morning America. And I took that weird step of then becoming a field producer. And like, people were like, why would you do that? And I said, because I want to learn how to be a field producer. Sure. And, you know, why did you go from Good Morning America to the specials? Because I wanted to produce primetime. I wanted to see right. what that's like. I wanted to, to learn that. And like, when I went to news, um, I think that the great part of my being in news is that Rune sort of appreciated that I just wanted to explore and do lots of different things. I wasn't just one thing. Right. Yeah. So I think it's all about, I just wanted the experience and tried to create a situation where we could all produce shows that we really loved and liked. And that, and that went pretty far for a long time. <laughs> but, well, well, I will say as an outsider, watching these specials over a lifetime, which I've done, and now knowing both of you, I've got to say, you two guys not only changed the face of television, you changed the way the culture related to television and news. And the range is astonishing. And I'm not sure about the Ninja Turtles. I didn't catch it that was piece huge. of the internet. It was really good. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> really, really good. I, but My finest moment. But I will You're say... The two, of you had, yeah, <laughs> the two of you had a huge impact and still do in your respective ways. Thank you. And Phyllis, th uh, thank you for being with us. Is there anything you would like to add? You think about how wonderful I was at taking over your job for you? Anything you want to throw in on the end of this? No, I think we've <laughs> Phyllis is the greatest person. I really appreciate you doing this for us. Uh, this is uh, uh, Bill Getty with Tom Mount again, reminding you that there are no shortcuts in Hollywood, but there are many, many detours. This is Bill and Tom advising you to take the fountain. Thanks, Phyllis. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.